Thank you guys so much for coming back to listen to another episode. I'm here with a super special guest, Sean Stuckey. Hi, Sean. Hi, Danielle. How are you? I'm wonderful. How are you? I am well. I am well. How is married life treating you? It's been great. I love being married. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's been wonderful. Smile. Yeah, it's giving me a lot of <laughs> Yeah, we didn't live together before we got married. So just like getting to live together has been really, really fun. I'm not tired of it yet. <laughs> well, I thought it would be like challenging, but it's good. It's fun. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, every relationship has challenges, but we did a lot of work before we got married. Mm-hmm. A lot of counseling before we got married. So now I feel like we just get to enjoy because we sorted a lot of things before we got married. And that's the way I want to do it too. So kudos to y'all. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so I wanted to invite you on the podcast because hmm, obviously you're out, you're gay. And I mean, in high school, we went to high school together. I think to me, I don't know if it's a thing that everybody knew, but I <laughs> tell. <laughs> so I wanted to talk to you about it because Brianna, your sister, has been on the podcast before. She talked about growing up um, in a religious household. And I was just curious from your perspective what that was like. Because was it your grandpa who was a pastor? Right. He was, yes. Yeah. So, yeah, we're here to talk about all of those things. Growing up Black and super religious and gay and how you reconcile all of those things today. (laughs) Okay. So what was it like for you growing up in church? Honestly, when I think about it, I really, I remember only the good things. And I don't know why, like my sister would be like, you don't remember some of the stuff we went. I'm like, no, like I remember only like the good things, like running around the sanctuary when no one was there, we were like getting ready for service or the smell of like fried chicken and pound cake when we were like a special service with food. So like, I really only remember like good things as it relates to church and like the lessons that it taught me and how it carried over into my adulthood. Um, I would say also like, of course in church, there were topics that were or there were lessons, I guess, that were pertaining to homosexuality and how, I mean, they were, he was very blunt in saying that, you know, it, it was not right. Like it wasn't of God, like it wasn't a godly principle. So dealing with that all the while knowing that, you know, I'm also gay and at the time he didn't know. So it's like, yeah, I don't know. You know, it, it was very conflicting inside, I would say. So, I mean, on th- like outside of that, I think that my overall church experience was positive. Um, so nothing like very traumatic in my opinion, or at least into my recollection. Like I may be forgetting something, but in my recollection, I had a very positive church experience growing up. Well, that's great. I'm glad that it wasn't super traumatic or terrible for you. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I don't know everybody's story, but you know, mm-hmm. it, it wasn't that bad for me, even in you right. know a pastor's grandkid role. Yeah. So when did you start to realize you were attracted to other boys or men? And did you fight it at first? 
Absolutely. So I think my first, my earliest memory, honestly, I was in daycare. I had to be like five or below. It was very, I was very young. I remember we were like, they had built a house, me and the other kids, we built a house out of blocks and we put like a roof over it and like a little, I guess like a tarp over it and everything. I remember being in that house with another boy and we were kissing under the tarp, under the house. I'm like five. So I don't really. I At five? Oh my God. I was young, Danielle. Like I was young, like young enough where like my parents were working. So they put us in daycare, you know, while they were working. So I remember kissing. I remember we were kissing and the kids were like, oh, oh my gosh. Like, you know, like they were shocked and appalled. And the next thing I know, one of the um, workers comes over and she's like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. So like I get to sit down like next to her. She's calling my mom and telling her like, I got, I guess I got, I got in a lot of trouble. I remember going home and getting in trouble too. Like, you know, so it was just, that's my earliest memory. And ever since then, like I've always been attracted to men. So, I mean, there are obviously, well, there are beautiful women in the world and I'm like, wow, you know, she's beautiful, but yeah, I've, as far as I can remember, I've always been attracted to men, like always. So yeah. So did your family in like middle school or high school were they ever like? So are there any girls that you like? Are there any girls you're taking to the prom or anything like that? Absolutely. Like at this point, I mean, my sister we're kind of close in age, so my sister was dating guys or you know like that they knew of. You know, she would bring some home, and me never have brought anyone home. They're like, okay, so you know, who are you, who are you talking to? Are you dating? I'm like, oh, I'm not interested in anyone. You know, I'm not really looking for that. And all the while, I'm like, I, first of all, it was already hard. Like in high school, I wasn't out. Like no one, I mean, people knew, but I wasn't gonna say it, and I also wasn't expressing like interest in anyone at that time either. So I think what I remember the most, my grandma would be like, yeah, when you get married and have kids. And every time she said it, I would cringe on the inside. I'm like, that's not, that's not it. Like, I want the marriage. I want the kids, but I don't know about the wife. So, I mean, it was, it was difficult. And I would say, I don't even think my sister knows it, but I was kind of jealous. Like she's able to bring home all these guys. She's able to go out on dates and she's able to, you know, walk around, hold hands. And I wasn't able to. Uh, in part because honestly, I wasn't comfortable and I didn't feel safe at that time. Um, I didn't know what that would look like for me and whenever we were in school. Cause I mean, I think, I think now it's a little bit more liberal, but and at the time I just didn't feel like it would be safe for me. And, you know, so yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think around the time we were in high school, we graduated in 2014. That was right when people were starting to switch and be more conscious but i feel like when we were in high school every group of people was being blatantly made fun of and disrespected yeah. to their face like people were not politically correct at all there were still like the jocks and the cheerleaders and the nerds and the mm -hmm. in-betweeners you know so yeah it wasn't as conglomerate as it is now you know definitely you so know, when did you school it was progressive yeah yeah, and it was still bad for some people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so when did you get to the point where you weren't trying to hide it, at least with your friends, maybe not with your family? So it started for me in college. So I went to Hampton University for three semesters, and then I ended up transferring to VCU. Um, I remember, well, I made a group of friends in Hampton. They're still my group of friends to this day. But um, 
we would always be together and I gravitated when I was in gospel choir there was these guys in there and like they were gay too so we just naturally gravitated toward each other like we became really good friends and I remember we were in the cafeteria one time and when I think one of the people in choir came up to us he was like I get the, I used to get, every time I heard this question my stomach would drop because I knew what was going to follow they were like can I ask you a question and I'm like oh here you go He's like, I'm probably gonna lie. So yeah, let me just get ready for that. So he was like, he asked the group at the table, they were like, um, are y'all gay? And me and the other boy, we were like, no, automatically. And then the other boy, he was like, yeah. And he was, they were like, oh, okay, you know, and then that was really the end of it. So the friend, he looks at us, he's like, why did y'all just lie like that? And we basically looked at each other, we were like, well, for me, it was just like habit. Like it was something to protect myself, I felt like, like. I didn't feel like if you want, you find out now I'm gay, then you're going to tell everybody. And now, you know, I might get made a fun or I might put myself in some type of negative situation. So when he said that, I was like, why did I say no? When I, I'm in college for the first time, I'm on my own. Like I'm able to really find myself, build my own name, you know? And I was like, why did I do that? And from then I really started questioning, like, there was no point in me doing that, you know? I'm in a setting where I'm I'm free to be me, number one. And number two, I shouldn't have to worry about, you know, feeling safe or feeling, you know, insecure in any way. And that was really the, how it started for me. And that's really kind of like, it just brought me out of my shell. I, was, I just felt more comfortable, you know. So that's where it started. Huh. So you were in gospel choir. That's so interesting. We'll have to circle back to that. I <laughs> definitely have questions about that. Oh, okay. God. So when did you pledge your fraternity? So I pledged my fraternity, um, which is Alpha Phi Alpha, mm -hmm. um, in 2018, which was my senior year at VCU. Okay. So what was that like? Were you out at the time that you were pledging? At this time, at this point in my life, I was living my life. Like I was having a great time. Like people knew who Stucky was. Like I would walk around, I was dressed up. I used to sashay, do my little walk. Like people knew who I was. So at that time I was very much so saying it, doing it. I was doing all of that. So they, it was very well known. And if people asked me, I said it, I was like, yeah. Mm -hmm. Was there yeah. any awkwardness or any homophobia in that environment because I feel like black fraternities in particular are like I don't know about white fraternities so the, I can only speak on the black ones but I feel like they're super masculine like super bro energy and Absolutely. yeah so it was well I think outside of me agreeing with you know the mission statement of the fraternity and what they stood for I had never really had male friends, like, or, you know, I just, I didn't, Black women to me were always my safe space. And that's from elementary to high school to college. Like, I just, I just gravitated towards Black women. They like me, you know, so I've always been close with Black women. So I realized, like, I was like, I really don't, I, I thought about, I was like, if I have a wedding, I'm not going to have any men up there standing next to me. I, and that really bothered me for some reason. So Outside of me agreeing with like the fraternity and aligning with their values, I was like, I, I just wanted male friends or like male compatriots. So me being in a setting of like going to events and things, I didn't really know. I don't think I knew any of the people there. So it, it was awkward for me because I was still very much so trying to be masculine or putting on a, like a masculine presenting, you know, I guess disguise or whatever. And I, I can be masculine and you know, you don't really have to, yeah, but I just felt like I was overdoing it, if that makes sense. 
And I didn't, it felt disingenuous. And I was like wondering why. And it was like, because based on my past experiences, when I was in, you know, middle school or high school, and they used to call me the F word because I used to always want to be with the girls or, you know, I never really wanted to be with them, you know? So it was important to me to, I guess, find that in the fraternity as well. But I, I did have my experiences that were awkward with um, who would, would become my line brothers. Um, I remember one time we were in my apartment and we were just talking about stuff that was going on. And one of my line brothers was like, um, I have to ask you a question. And you know, I know that when I hear that, I'm like, I already know what's coming. I know what's coming. So he's like, I just got to know, like, are you gay or what's up? Like, and this is like the most macho one on the line, you know? So I said, you know, yeah, I am. And he was like, okay, like, and that was pretty much the end of it. And everybody was kind of like, you know, like, yeah, we, we accept that. We're cool with it. And then it kind of, it made me emotional because I just, and it was like, this is kind of like a good, a really big bonding experience for us because I kind of cried, I cried in that moment because I was like, this is supposed to be a space where you guys accept me. Like you guys aren't questioning me. Like, I just felt like I didn't, it felt like he was trying to uncover something or like kind of out me in a way. And he was like, no, like, it's all good. Like, and we really had to talk about it. And now to this day, like, we're close. Like, this is the same brother that now sends me guys. Like, you think he's cute? Like, you know, stuff like that. And asked about my dating life and stuff. So initially it was hard. And I, it was hard on my part too, because I just didn't feel safe around black men. I never have. Um, so I think that's been the biggest blessing out of me joining a black fraternity. That's great. That makes me wonder, I've had a few people on the podcast who we went to high school with who talked about being bullied for all variety of things. And I don't know if I just wasn't paying attention or what, but like, I don't remember ever consciously seeing anybody. That's not true. Like the, (laughs) I guess like the real, I don't want to call them weird people, but that's kind of what they were viewed as like mm-hmm. the goth emo people. I remember seeing them get made fun of. Right. But people like you, like I don't ever remember seeing that. Were there people like coming for you in high school? Um, in high school, yeah, I, I remember an instance. One time I was on the bus. It was, a, it was the same guy that I went to, well, we went through middle school together as well. I remember we got on the bus one time and all the cool kids, you know, they sat in the back. It was activity bus. So they all sat in the back. Some of my friends are back there, you know, the girls. I was just like, I don't want to be around those guys in particular because I know how they are. So I kind of sat like in the middle. And one of my friends was like, why are you sitting in the middle? Come back with us. And I was like, and before I could even say anything, he was like, I don't want that F word sitting back here. He's an F. I was like, okay, you know, I'm used to it at this point. So that's why I didn't sit back there. So, I mean, if it happened, it it wasn't like often, but it happened, you know? So yeah, that's awful. I'm so sorry that that happened to you. Yeah, it was like that. I think all throughout grade school, you know. Yeah. So it was it was damaging in the way I viewed black men and hypermasculinity and stuff like that. So it's so interesting you say that. I was asking Shaheem this when he was on the podcast, and he gave a different answer than I expected, but. I was thinking about a lot of black gay men, I feel like particularly celebrities are not married to or dating other black men. And 
I wonder if that's like a subconscious aversion to black men because most people are bullied within their own race. Right. And I wonder if that constant bullying, sometimes even like physical abuse from other black men makes them averse to their own people, if that makes sense. I can see that being a thing because it it's deep. Like literally I I think at that time I didn't have a single black guy friend. Well, in high school, I did make some guy friends and they were cool, but it just makes you feel unwanted, you know, like, like you're like, I don't want to say a freak, but it's like, it just makes you feel like you're the scum of the earth, you know? So why would I want to, you? I don't want to cohabitate with somebody who brings back trauma, you know? Yeah. Um. So when did you come out to your family? The first person I came out to was my sister and we were on a cruise in like 20, I think 2016. And we were just sitting down and I think we were talking about dating. Like it was late. It was at like a burger joint, like eating food, chilling. And we were just talking and I think we were talking about dating life. And I was like, well, it just kind of, I just did it. I was like, you know, I'm gay, right? And she was like, yeah, of course. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> I was like, so it's like, like, I'm assuming everyone knows. She was like, well, at least I knew, like, I've always known. So I was like, okay, like, it, but her knowing or me saying it to her, it felt kind of like a relief, but it also gave me, like, anxiety. Because, like, once I start now, it's like I, but at the same time, I didn't want to, I start to feel uncomfortable with lying to myself. Not to myself. I think at this time I was kind of getting into who I was as a person, but I just felt uncomfortable in the fact that I'm sharing myself with others freely, like my friends, like people that I'm growing to love and, you know, but I can't do that with my family. So it started to make me feel uncomfortable, very uncomfortable. So that was the first one. Um, but then once it got, you know, further down the line, it was just like, like, we know, like, we're, we're, we're okay with it. Like, we still love you. So Starting with my sister was definitely the best, <laughs> and it was it was kind of trickled everything else. Okay, great. So nobody was mad or you know unaccepting. I would now there are two people who are the closest to me who I have not said it to because I they're well I would say amongst everyone they're the most religious. Mm -hmm. um, and I know when I when I do do that, when I do say it to them, they're gonna, I just feel like in a way they'll be disappointed. And if, even if that's subconscious or or if they outwardly do it, I just feel like it's that my biggest fear is that they will reject me in a way, which I, I don't think that it will happen, but I know they'll be like, well, you know, we still love you, but <laughs> such and such, you know? Like, we'll still love you. And it will be, I feel like it will be disappointment. So that's something that even to this day, I'm still working on, you know, especially yes. some of the people that are closest, like the ones that are very close with. So that's something I still have to conquer. Yeah, definitely. So would you feel comfortable, like, bringing a man home to your family? The crazy part is I always told, I literally always told my best friend, I was like, when I come out to like those, I'm just going to bring my man with me. And this is, I'm like, boom, like, here it is. 
And he was like, I don't think that would be a good idea. <laughs> so I think if I started to get serious in dating someone, that would be, I would have to do it before I brought them home. Because I don't think they would act a fool or anything, but I just feel like it would be the right thing to do. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, so what has life been like for you since coming out? Are you dating a whole lot? Were you scared to start dating? Um, since coming out, I well, dating is I, I started dating, yes, but it's it has its challenges for sure. I think there's like a whole different there's a culture within the gay community that is sometimes hard to escape. Like serious dating is kind of hard to find, it's particularly in my area. I feel like if I was maybe in the DC area, it might be a little bit easier with finding someone who's more compatible or serious with what I'm looking for. But in areas like this, where it's kind of hard, or it's kind of sparse, actually, to find someone who's looking for the same thing as you, especially a Black man, which is what I want. So um, it's it can be difficult, but outside of that, I'm living my best life, for real. Like, this is a life I dreamed of when I was a kid, like, just not being able to feel shunned or, you know, fear of being humiliated or anything like that. This is a life I dreamed of. Like, I have my group of friends like I go out we go to the gay clubs honestly the gay clubs are giving more than the straight clubs I like going there better the music is better and all that so I'm really living I feel like the life that I'm supposed to be living you know I can't imagine like being in the same mental headspace as I was in high school where I just felt uneasy you know or inauthentic you know so yeah I couldn't go back to that I couldn't right Okay, so circling back to gospel choir, um, do you still go to church? Are you still religious? I still am very religious. Um, I still go to church. Well, there is a church in Richmond, but I haven't been in a while. But I do attend online service. Um, I'm still religious um, in the sense that I still believe in God. I still believe in um, the principles of Christianity. Um, again, I don't. I never let like what the one part of the bible or one scripture like that could be interpreted i didn't let that interfere with my relationship or my view of it as a whole mm -hmm. even though people try to weaponize some verses in christianity you know i never let that interfere with my relationship or how i viewed it so yeah okay great so do you think that i mean a lot of black people in america are very religious Mm -hmm. really no matter where they come from whether they're americans caribbean people africans a lot of them are deeply religious um do you think that straight black people cishet black people are letting religious beliefs drive a wedge between them and queer black people is that a big thing that's keeping us from really all uniting and standing up for each other in every situation absolutely uh, if you want to see that, you can go to the shade room comments when they post <laughs> things because it's a mess in there. Like, you know, I don't really understand how, you know, a, margin a marginalized group of people can also marginalize another group of people who are facing multiple things like racism. Now we got to face homophobia. I, I don't really understand that. But I do think that religion is the biggest tool that is used in dividing, um, I guess, the Black community. Um, I don't understand, 
it's hard for me to understand how like certain scriptures are used as I guess like a, like a weapon for real um, against someone's lifestyle. Um, I, I don't. It's very hard for me to understand, but I do think that it's a big issue. I think that we are slowly getting better. I think that there's more avenues and um, expansion of your mind and your perspective. There's a lot of different trainings, a lot of different things that are being offered. I know within my job, like there's been like a lot of trainings on um, like diversity and inclusion and things like that. Um, I think people, our community is becoming more receptive to it, especially within the, the new generations that are coming after us. Like that's, it's getting better, especially, especially there. Um, but some of those older ones, <laughs> They, they're a little bit harder to get to. But um, I think that it's possible to, well, if you want to look at the Bible, God says to love everybody. And if you want to look at Jesus, Jesus didn't condemn or judge anyone. So I think that if you say you're a Christian and you're following Christianity, then you should follow how Jesus behaved and how Jesus responded to situations. And it's as simple as that for me. Like you can't pick and choose what you think is the most intolerable and sufferable sin out of everything, you know? You know, so I felt like in, when I was in church, that was like the biggest, that's the number one, like, yes, the highway to hell, like you're on there. So yeah. Yeah. So that was actually my other question. So you feel like people hyper-focus on the idea of homosexuality as a sin versus all the other sins, which are all supposed to be equal. Equal, right. Um, I don't know. I actually speaking now, I don't think that that's the issue. I think now, at least when I go to church and I attend services and from what I've seen in most modern churches, they've come to be more inclusive of everyone. Like it's not just, uh, you know, homosexuals over here and pornography over here. Like it's all the same. But growing up, I did feel like that was a hyper-focused issue. Um, it was just like deplorable, absolutely deplorable. So like I said, I, I think it's getting better as times are progressing, as people are becoming more accepting. But in my experience, it was, it, it was, it was number one back in the day. Yeah. So what would you want to say to those people? What would you want to say to Black people who are using their religion as reasoning for being homophobic? I'm kind of like what I said before. Um, if you want to be a Christian, if you claim to be a Christian, you cannot use religion or specific scriptures as a weapon against others. Um, I think that religion should be a unifying factor, that it should be something that brings people together. Um, I guess even looking at the issue of like abortion, I know there are some specific Christian groups that are celebrating it, like, you know, oh, life, you know, we're choosing life. But I don't think that in any point religion should be used to like push someone's individ individual agenda or purpose or opinion on a mass group of people. Um, I know that God gives us free will to choose and make our own decisions. So if you feel so, I don't know, I just feel like let people make their own choices, their own decisions. Of course, you can have your own opinions, you can have your own beliefs, but to use um, something that's supposed to be unifying and something that's based on love, really, um, as a divisive means is 
it's, it's not godly. It's not a godly principle. Yeah, for sure. Um, what words of encouragement would you give to other gay black men or just other queer black people who don't feel safe enough to come out yet? Speaking from my own experience, um, I would just say, do it in your own time and in your own way. Um, for me, I can't imagine having like done it any other time or any other way than how it happened for me because I faced with a lot of issues growing up um, just within myself like self-hatred like I did not like being gay I didn't want to be gay I prayed every day to not be gay so coming to terms with this is who I am this is how I think God made me um, just coming to really accept my what it is you know I can't change it I can't there's nothing I can do to change it um, so I guess I would just offer to people um, who don't feel safe to do it in your own time and do it in your own way. Don't feel forced or pressured in any way to um, reveal, I don't know, to, to, to come out of your, where you're at, you know? Um, I know for me, I never came out or I didn't feel safe. Like I said, I had to like kind of be a chameleon. Like if someone asked me, I would have to say no because I felt like I had to protect myself or I just wasn't comfortable in the fact that people would look at me the same or uh, have these preconceived notions about who I am. So that's what I would, I would just offer that do it in your own time anyway and learn to love and accept yourself for who you are, really. Because I remember like growing up every year from like middle, I think from middle school to high school, all the way to college, I'm like, well, this is my opportunity to restart. This is my opportunity to not come off as gay. This is not my opportunity to not have that reputation. And I remember like in the first week, I would always fail, like always fail. I would always get the question. I'm like, I did it again. And I would be so mad, but it, it, you can't run from who you are. You, you really can't. So. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's a really good point. And I hope that those words are encouraging and helpful to somebody. Yes. You're doing really great. Your answers are so good. Thanks, Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> about this so <laughs> can you give us a book recommendation? I was been meaning to read a book. <laughs> it's called All Boys Aren't Blue. Um, I remember seeing an interview. Um, it's by George M. Johnson. Um, he's also in my fraternity and also um, an LGBTQIA activist. Um, basically, I remember in the interview he was talking about his childhood and how he had to come to terms with many of the same things I faced, like toxic masculinity, um, brotherhood, family, um, religion, and just like being happy, you know, with being black and gay. Um, and it's a book I feel like correlates to a lot of the experiences that I have, especially um, like toxic masculinity. I faced that uh, heavily. Um, all throughout my childhood, I would say, um, this is what a man is supposed to do. This is what a man is supposed to be. This is how you're supposed to dress. This is how you're supposed to act. And I never fit into any of that. So feeling constantly feeling like a failure, like I'm not a man, like, you know, it, it was very dehumanizing, I would say. Um, so I would recommend that book. Um, cause I feel like it can relate to a lot of the black experience. Um, so that is a book I too will read. <laughs> okay, great. Sean will be starting a book club. Everybody yes. can join him. <laughs> join me. I'm going to order it for real. I'm going to order it today. You don't even have it? 
<laughs> I was like, no, because I literally had to think. I was like, I want that book. I just couldn't remember the name. I was having to do some Googling, but I did find it and I'm going to read it. Okay. I believe you. <laughs> Synopsis. I forgot to ask you at the beginning of this. What do you, what do you do? What do you do for work? What do you do for fun? Um, so I work in a commercial real estate company. Um, I'm a research analyst. I work specifically with like apartments and apartment communities, construction, stuff like that. Um, I've been here since I graduated in 2018, so almost four years. Um, I also live in Richmond as well. Um, I would say what I do for fun, like being still like in the community of my fraternity and like my college friends, like they get me to go places, you know, to try different things. Because otherwise I am very content staying at home, watching TV and napping. That's my favorite thing ever. So I I like to find that I like to go on adventures in Richmond. There's a lot of things to do here, like rivers and lots of cities and good food and stuff to do. So that's I guess the fun I do and do these days. Cool. Okay. Yeah, I forgot to ask that at the beginning. We just jumped right in. Yeah, no. It's okay. <laughs> okay. Last question. What is your dream for your life's work? Oh. I just, I really thought about that and I didn't have an answer. I couldn't think of anything. Like, I think me still struggling to figure out if this is the right career path for me. Like there's still so many things in my life I'm trying to put together in peace. And I feel like, you know, I'm running out of time and it's not true, but I think overall we want my life's work to just be a reflection of like, being free. Because in my childhood, I did not feel free. I felt very constricted, confined, like, not in terms of like my parents restricting me from things, but I just didn't feel like I could really be my authentic self. So now, you know, I, I'm Sean Stuckey. Everybody knows who I am. Like, not everybody knows who I am, but they know, like, those who know me know me. Like, I'm this character. I'm this uh, personality. So I think if I could just leave a mark that I was myself, like, this is who I was. This is how I lived my life. This is how I chose to live. I think I would be happy with that. That's a pretty good dream. I think that's something that a lot of people don't even think about and definitely don't achieve. So achieving that alone is incredible and rare. It would be lovely, very lovely to accomplish. <laughs> yeah. Well, how do people find you on social media? Oh, yes. You can find me at waiting, the number two, Excel, E-X-C-E-L, um, on Instagram. I'm really only on Instagram. I don't use anything else. So yeah, here I go. Me too. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, everybody go follow Sean. Go read the book with him. <laughs> and <laughs> um, be sure to just support him and send him lots of love. Thank you so much, Sean, for doing this. This is really good. Very succinct. I yeah. appreciate it. Thank you for having me. This is such a pleasure, especially for people on Hilton that, you know, don't know what I've been up to since yeah. 14, who knew, <laughs> didn't know until now. <laughs> right. If you, if you didn't know, now you know. Now you know, Pooh. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Sean. I'll talk to y'all in a couple of weeks. Bye. Bye. -bye.